Hello, and welcome to the Ipsay Podcast. We hope you are enjoying the series. We wanted to give you a quick disclaimer that this episode has been previously recorded. Please feel free to check out our website, mobile app, S1Net page, and other social media channels for more information on Ipsay. We are proud to have you in the fight with us. Enjoy the episode. Ipsay leads the way. Ipsay. One system personnel and pay. Ipsay. 21st century. Ipsay. Total force visibility online. Welcome to another edition of the Ipsay podcast. I'm Colonel Greg Johnson, the FMD or functional lead of the program. And uh, I'm very happy to announce tonight that we have two pretty uh, strong um, supporters of the program, supporters of uh, Army talent management and supporters of of all of this modernization that Ipsay and, and the Army is working through. Um, we have our, our one and only Captain Ali Akani, who's on the program, master of BI, data, all kinds of things. He's with us tonight. And then also Lieutenant Colonel Paul, Paul Greg Lockhart, and I'm just going to call you Greg from the rest of the podcast. Um, he's on the task force talent management. Uh, and has been working closely with us. Um, so tonight, guess what? We're going to talk a lot about um, KSBs, knowledge, skills, and behavior. What are those? We're going to talk about talent management in general, and then we're going to talk about talent management specifically with Ipsay and Release 3, and then what we'll see as we um, go between Release 3 and Release 4. So uh, really good uh topic to talk through and uh let's go ahead and pass it over to our guests and let them introduce themselves a little bit and we'll keep going so uh greg why don't you introduce yourself tell us what you do how you doing i am uh, lieutenant colonel greg lockhart i am currently an action officer on the army talent management task force i work on the employee team which is responsible for uh, the army talent alignment process or the uh the job market as we like to call it uh sometimes um I also do a lot of uh, building of materials to train the force on some of the stuff we're doing in talent management. I, built, I wrote the commander's guide to ATAP, the officer's guide to ATAP. I built the resume LPD that's been floating around the Army. And I also do a lot of work with knowledge, skills, and behaviors and getting those incorporated into uh, the talent management system. Yeah, thanks, Greg. I mean, those are two areas that we're really interested in, you know, ATAP um, and and how that plays into what we call the marketplace and how that transitions into Ipsay. And then also, you know, knowledge, skills, and behaviors and how that nests in, inside the thing we call the 25-point profile. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of synergy there. And obviously, we're, we're working with you a lot. So thanks for being on um, tonight to talk through uh, this topic. Um, Ollie, you know, hey, if you listen to this podcast or you, you tie into our live sessions, folks have probably seen you um before but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what you focus on all right sir uh captain ali akani if uh, i don't mess things up uh by the time you hear this podcast i should be major akani uh i've been on a project this is my fourth year on the project uh first started out as a talent management integration officer so working closely with the task force on a number of uh, different initiatives. Uh, you mentioned the 25 point profile. And as of late, I have been uh, neck deep in uh, business intelligence, uh, trying to help that team um, and, and lead that team in, as far as development goes. So that way we can do uh, strength management uh, and give all the analytics that S1s and commanders 
and G1's need to be able to do uh, business in the enterprise. So uh, that, that's my background as it is right now, sir. Yeah, maybe I just call you major for the rest of the, the, the turn. I mean, you're you're already kind of punching above your weight class anyway um, as a captain, you know, working in the Pentagon, you know, on this this big program. Um, you certainly carried a lot of weight um, over the last couple of years, Ollie. Um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna circle back to you because I really want to talk, you know, our own you know internal talent management. Um, but you know, I want to throw it over to Greg first. You know, you, you're on the the task force talent management. I mean, what the heck is that um, for folks out in the army that may or may not know? And uh, how's it like working on that task force? No, it's all, those are all good questions. You know, um, I did a, a stint at HRC before, uh, you know, I did my KD time at 4th Infantry Division. And then I was uh, told that I was going to go to the Army Talent Management Task Force uh, coming out of my KD time. And I, I was really interested in getting back into the personnel aspect of the Army because I really enjoyed that. Uh, working on the task force is great. We're working on a lot of cutting edge things in terms of you know, uh, how we're looking at promotions, how we're looking at assigning officers, how we're looking at selections of officers for battalion command and other type of nominative type billets. So it's it's been a really educational experience. Uh, it's a lot different than working at HRC because uh, I'm working at the big army and seeing a lot of really um, cool things and a lot of things I didn't really understand when I worked down at HRC. So all in all, it, it's great working on the task force. Yeah, I, I kind of see it. It's it's kind of like a, um, I'm, you know, it's like a, a mini think tank um, to a certain extent, right? There's a lot of different, really smart folks, colonels, lieutenant colonels, majors that have, you know, have some pretty good operational experience. There's there's some NCOs, there's some warrants, and um, you, you know, I I kind of see your guys's group is really thinking through um, the chief's intent for people and how do we modernize. Army HR, and you guys are, are in turn doing prototypes and and rolling things out that are really you know challenging. Uh, I guess the status you know quo or or you know even some some of the the processes we've been running. Um, you know, do I do I got it wrong, Greg, or is that is that kind of that's kind of what you guys are doing? No, I mean you nailed the you nailed it on the head, sir. I think the the coolest thing about the task force is we're bringing in a lot of people that don't have a real personnel background, but are interested in solving problems for the Army. So there is a learning curve when you get to the task force. We have a really big reading list we got to read in order to kind of get up to speed. That way we don't you know, mess anything up for the Army writ large. But, it, but you're absolutely right. You, the best way to think about us is you know, someone to take the chief's intent of you know, people first. And you know, people really matter and they're our, they're our best weapon system against our enemy. And we're taking that and we're turning that into actionable things that the army can do in order to recognize people for the talents they bring to us. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's pretty exciting. I mean, I don't, uh, I've been in 20 something years and, you know, no chief is really focused on, Hey, how do we modernize how we, you know, do talent management? Um, you know, obviously there was some stuff with OPMS 21 a long time ago when I, when I came in, um, so there has been changes to the personnel system, but you know, my, my take is General McConville's really been pushing us really hard on how do we how do we really organize and understand our talents in the army um, better, and how do we utilize those talents, and then how do we really you know set up you know for the rest of this century you know to 
to organize to to combat you know what what's kind of near peers um so i i don't know i think it's pretty exciting now on our side of course we got this it's a thing going you know ollie why, why don't you, you you tell us um you know how you've been interacting with the task force talent management over the last couple of years uh yes sir so really right off the jump uh when i showed up uh the first thing that we we had to get after was the 25 point profile and i remember you asked us to you know take it from you know at the at that point uh captain jean guan she was my predecessor she had run about uh 50 working groups to actually shape out what that was going to look like uh that was back when the chief was the vice and had given like guidance as far as what he wanted to see as far as a, a granular look at a soldier uh, so from there, taking that, you asked us to start really um, operationalizing this, making this into something where we knew where we were getting the data. Um, and so really from there, I took it on and uh, worked um, with uh, CW4 Millette now um, to, to try and get to, to a point where we actually had all the, the data that we needed for it. Um, and since then, it, it's continue to be something that we've gone back to as a foundation uh, of what we want to have to be able to have a clearer picture of a soldier. So legacy, you know, we're, we're looking at just things like MOS, ASI, what your assignment history is and, and what schools you've been to. But in the future, now we're talking about knowledge, skills and behaviors, attributes. Um, we're, we're talking about being able to take your cultural and regional experiences, uh, your um, self-professed uh, language experience, and really get after it. So um, I think what we're doing now with the soldier talent profile uh, that's poised to you know be able to be a contender and a replacement for the or, uh, officer record brief and, and the enlisted record brief, um, that goes to show that this foundation is allowing us to you know elevate where we're, we're taking uh, talent management by by expanding the amount of data that we're capturing on a soldier and and really making it, easier to understand what a soldier's strengths are to be able to employ them in the battlefield. So, yeah, um, I, I think that's, um, whew, you, you kind of went through a lot there. Um, pretty good origin story, right? Gene Guan and chief Millette. And there's, there's a whole bunch of other folks, um, that were running working groups. Um, this is, this is probably like 2016 and 17 running all kinds of working groups, asking commanders. We, we probably had about 250 people plug in to, in over 50 working groups. And we were just asking folks, what do you want to track? What, what do you want to know from your soldiers? What, do you, what kind of talents are you interested in? Um, how do you want to see that information? Um, and, you know, to, to do different things, right? One is to manage someone's career. The other is to build on potential but then just basic readiness. Like, hey, if you're in a brigade combat team, what do you want to track? What do you want to know? Um, and they did a phenomenal job of kind of working through that. And then yes. what 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 kind of happened in 17 was the vice at the time, Gerald McConville, started talking about, you know, maybe thinking through talents in a 25-point way. And what we did is we just kind of went through all of that work that we were doing in 16 and 17 and then said, hey, we could probably bucket this in 25 points. Now, right, in quotes, air quotes on the 25, right? Because yeah. there's, there's what, 200 plus data elements that, that fall underneath that. Um, 
And then, you know, Greg, when did you show up to the task force? So I got to the task force in July of 2019 uh, and, and talking about the chief Millette and all of them, you know, I immediately got pulled in crit to critical design reviews over at the IPSA, um building and started yeah. uh, working that whole 25 point talent profile and how that was going to be integrated uh, with the KSBs. Yeah. And then you kind of became one of the lead guys in, in this entire discussion about knowledge, skills and behaviors, right? Yes, sir. I did. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Kayla King actually spearheaded it at first. Um, when she retired, uh, the mantle fell to me and we started uh, kind of expanding upon the work that she uh, she did over. Yeah, I mean, I love it. We're name dropping everybody that's been along this path, um, which is which is cool because, you know, I, I think for me, one of these things is that none of this stuff happens quickly. I mean, the Army is a massive entity rooted in its own culture um and it's it's this big ship and i know we're about people um uh general mcconville so don't get get mad um but we're we're you know we're we're a big ship and it takes time to kind of move that ship um and so there's a lot of people kind of littered along the way here that that really push you know the ship in the direction that the chief is talking um you know, we started with those working groups. We then we then put it in this framework of a twenty-five point profile, and then we started work on, hey, what does a soldier, um, you know, talent profile need to look like in IPSA? And then, Greg, you're like doing this real heavy lifting with, what's the framework for knowledge, skills, and behaviors, which ultimately end up landing in the middle of this twenty-five point profile in IPSA. Maybe maybe talk a little bit about that KSB journey because that that thing has been, you know, maddening, fun, exciting, you know, a yes. bit crazy, all all at the same time, um, you know, with with all the different players and 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 thoughts and you know experts um, per se. Yeah, it's it has definitely been a challenging experience, and uh, and for someone who had very minimal experience in what I like to call the human capital enterprise, it uh, it was definitely a new move for me. You know, I've been working uh, really heavily with you know Ollie over there at IPSA. Um, been working with the Army Research Institute, ha who has a team of industrial organizational psychologists that kind of help build out this this uh, structure for us. But you know, when we first started, it was just a it was just a standalone list of attributes. Um, that kind of defined, you know, what a person is. And when you think about, you know, knowledge, skill, and behavior, you know, a knowledge is really what a person knows. A skill is kind of what they can do, and a, and a behavior is how they act. And then when you when you put those three together, and this is kind of how we're defining talent now, is, you know, talent, as we define it, is unique, measurable clusters of highly interrelated knowledge, skills, and behaviors possessed by an individual. And that in turn, result in effective performance when properly al aligned against a particular job. So when we took this structure that we had um, that was uh, developed uh, back, I believe, in late uh, early 2019, uh, we ran a couple iterations of it in the ATAP market, and, and we realized that we had a problem with the way we had set it up. Um, essentially, when you went into uh, the AIM-2 system, which is you know currently running our ATAP marketplace, you know, you kind of had to have the uh, attribute list pulled up on one screen and then aim two pulled up on another and you had to kind of do a control F and find what you were looking for to input your, your, uh, you know, your self-study knowledge or your KSBs, your additional duties and all this other information we wanted to know about you. And it was, it was very difficult. 
So, you know, we worked with ARI over the course of the last year on, on how to really improve that system. And what we came up with, with is the Army Talent Attribute Framework. And essentially what we did is we took the existing list of 145 attributes, and then we crosswalked that with the 21 talents we use for talent-based branching and also the leadership requirements model in ADP 622. And we made sure that not only were our attributes uh, easy to find and easy to use, but they were also nested with what the Army is actually looking for in terms of, of talent. So it was a, it was a pretty lengthy process. Uh, the structure is very well-defined now. It's actually three-tiered structure. Um, and when you look at the three-tiered structure compared to where we were a year ago, it's a lot more user-friendly. Um, it's built into a drop-down format, so when you select a specific tier, it then opens up to a tier two and then to a tier three where you can select the KSB that you're looking for. And then we, we expanded upon that, and we actually did that to the experiential list that also existed in AIM2. And all this information, uh, once it was completed, we actually passed over to IPSA, and uh, they've, they've rolled that all up into the 25-point talent profile in this that's going to be coming out here when uh, IPSA goes live. So we're pretty excited about where we came over the course of the last year. Um, and, you know, while it, while it kind of sounds like boring stuff uh, at face value, it's really going to be a game changer uh, when it really gets turned on in the Army. Boring, yeah, sir. I, I don't know about boring. <laughs> I mean, we're all kind of nerdy, though, to be to, to be clear, Greg, you know, on the IPSA team. I, I, I think probably two in each, we're all a little nerdy. Oh, sir, I, uh, I have, I've turned into total nerd since I've been on the task force and working with uh, IPSA. I, <laughs> I, I love it, and I, and I embrace that nerdiness I've got now. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ollie's like a, a college athlete, so he was really cool at one time. Um, right, right, Ollie? Uh, Just for, for a blip, sir. For, for, just a, for blip. a blip, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I just I, I look I look at what you guys have done with that framework, and it's it, it's really cool stuff. Because um, again, like, I, I want to pull the thread, Greg. Um, you know, before the marketplace or AIM, um, all, all you had really was an ORB, an officer record brief. And on that officer, you know, if you're in the army and you're an officer, you know what it looks like. Um, it has your assignments. It has some of your school. Um, you know, did you deploy? Um, what are your awards? And then there's a there was a big fat picture of you, right? Um, so that that's kind of what we had as the resume for an officer, but it didn't really get after your 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 detailed knowledge or skills. Um, so you're you know you're you're making these big decisions on people's careers in a lot of cases by just looking at that, you know, one piece of paper. Um, whereas, you know, there, you know, General McConville was really pushing for, Hey, really understand this holistic talent, you know? So how do we, how do we change that game? And, you know, you guys have kind of really driven this pretty hard in the last couple of years. Um, so I don't know. I, th I think it's pretty cool. Um, what you guys have been able to do Greg. Yes, sir. You know, I think when you when you think about KSBs, they're really foundational to kind of what we do in talent management. You know, when you do assessments, you're, you're assessing somebody's knowledge, skills and behaviors. You know, the CAP programs are looking really deeply at an officer's knowledge, skills and behaviors to make sure we're selecting the right battalion commanders. And then the marketplace, you know, the Army talent alignment process is really important in this, too because officers are able to look at their knowledge, skills, and behaviors, and then align those to the required or desired knowledge and skills and behaviors wanted by a unit. 
and they can actually find jobs where they can actually put their talent uh, to really good use. So, you know, it's it's really cool when you think about kind of what you just said, you know, before we were just looking at a one slider of somebody's, you know, history, but we had nothing more than just an assignment or possibly a deployment on there, maybe where they went to school, if they were a distinguished military graduate. Uh, now we can actually dig really deep into what kind of cultural experiences did they, ha did they have during that deployment? Did they do a CTC rotation? What did they learn during that CTC rotation? And all of that's captured uh, within the ATAF framework, as well as it's going to be captured in the soldier talent profile. So, you know, we're really coming a long way when it comes to getting that granular data on our on our people. Can I just can I just say, uh, Colonel Lockhart, sir, that I do appreciate. So when we started this. Um, and when we got to attributes, uh, Colonel Johnson, you know, challenged me to make sure that we actually had an idea for what we we're going to do. And the very first thing I looked at was the Army leadership requirement model that uh, we base all our evaluations on. So the character, the presence, uh, the intellect, were the attributes, and then leads, develops, achieves. And we're, we're all familiar with those from uh, from evals. But that that was it. That was the only official model that remotely looked like attributes that the army had and to see over the last couple of years for it to develop and, and for you to, you know, have been, you know, leading this charge to, to get more attributes out there so that we can actually start measuring all the other kinds of uh, knowledge, skills and behaviors that are out there. I think that's pretty big, sir, because, you know, we, we might not have the answer just yet, but at some point, you know, that might become foundational to a future assessment or evaluation that, that's more holistic. And, and I think that's pretty big, um, considering that right now you look at manner of performance and, and that's that's all people drive home. But it's based off of a, a requirement model that doesn't really capture everything. So that that it, it's really big what's happened. Um, and I think that it, it's going to, you know, fo folks aren't really looking at it right now, but down the road, we'll look back and say, you know, th there was some really big movement that happened here. Yeah, I, I, I would say foundational um, is the right word. Um, and Greg, I think he used it as well. Um, may, maybe you can talk a little bit about what's what's kind of next, because, you know, the task force is working on assessments, you know, I mean, really just ushered in BCAP and CCAP for the Army. So battalion, future battalion commanders, future brigade commanders are taking you know, formalized assessments, and we're we're utilizing those to 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 shape, you know, who goes into command. There's probably uh, on the on the docket, you know, additional assessments for other grades um, and and other positions. And then, um, Greg, I really want you to talk about where we're where where you think Tradoc is headed with the the structure of KSBs and and some of their schools. Um, and and whatnot. If you could talk maybe a little bit about those two things. Yeah, no, that's uh, those are actually two really good topics. And I actually just uh, did a brief on them last week. Um, so one of the things or the next big thing we're doing in terms of KSBs is we're looking at this job analysis that we're going to conduct across the Army. So we know we have a really strong attribute structure now with the ATAF. Uh, we know it's grounded in our doctrine. Um, but the problem we're having right now is we've never really done an in-depth job analysis of what we're asking our people to do across the Army. So, you know, what, where we're starting with that is right now, uh, we're working with the proponents, um, and, you know, they're heavily tied in with TRADOC. They're, they're a big part of TRADOC, and we're looking at what knowledge, skills, and behaviors they think they need um, for their different rank structures, all the way up from E5 to E9 
uh, and second lieutenant up to colonel. So as we look at those proponent storyboards, what really is happening there is that's the strategic vision of the proponent. They're telling us, hey, this is our vote. This is what we want our officers and NCOs to look like. And they're trying to communicate that using the attribute structure. And, and what's hard for them when you're making the transition to using KSPs, uh, you know, we're really comfortable talking about tasks. Like I need, to, I need someone who can run a live fire range. I need someone who can... Uh, you know, has tactical technical competence. I need I need someone who's deployed four or five times and they have this experience. And what we're teaching them how to do right now is take all of that task type knowledge and then translate that into knowledge, skills, and behaviors that their officers can understand and their NCOs. The second part of the job analysis we're working on right now, and it, and it should go live late in the summer, is we're going to be doing a survey of the force. And we're probably looking at surveying around 50 to 60,000 people, um, you know, and that'll give us a response rate, hopefully around, you know, two to 5%. And we're going to try and identify positional level data that we can't capture uh, in the normal proponent type storyboards. And what I mean by positional data is, is it's easy to tell someone, hey, this is what an armor officer should do in a tank platoon. This is what an infantry officer should do uh, in, as a company commander. But when you get into positions um, that we call immaterial positions. We're talking about O1 Alpha, O2 Alpha, and those are positions that exist like on Army staff and Joint staff. We don't really have a lot of individual critical task lists that define what those individuals do. So we're really hoping to get out of this job survey some positional level data that we can then tie back to the proponent storyboards. And then when this is all said and done, um, we're going to do what we're calling the task model crosswalk. We're going to take the information from the proponent storyboards. We're going to take the information from the job survey. We're going to um, combine that and do a very detailed analysis of the individual critical task and the task that we and the information we identify within the survey and the proponent storyboards and do this holistic crosswalk and really identify down to the position level what are the required KSBs to be an armor platoon leader, to be a reconnaissance platoon leader, to be a battalion S1. And we're going to have that level of fidelity when this is all said and done. And once we get there and we get that level of fidelity, it just makes assessments a lot better. We're, we'll be able to start building targeted assessments at individuals based on their rank um, and based on their branch or their functional area. So that's kind of where we're going next in terms of building out the KSB structure uh, with this job analysis. Mind is blowing right now. Um, so that's a lot. Um, you know, I like to say that it's a, it's a lot to unpack. I mean, there's 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 so much going on with what you just said, Greg. Um, I, I I think it's 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 pretty neat though, because um, as you get through that, you could then start to lay in what KSBs tie to positions on our MTOs. And, you know, me jumping into the data thought and, and process with, with Ipsay, then we're going to have individuals that these KSBs are being tracked with. You have positions with KSBs, and if, if the MTOs are, are kind of tied to the system and the person, then all of a sudden I could start to run machine learning type stuff, learn, learn from what we see. Um, and, and start to do some th interesting things like secession planning, you know, in, in, in a system. Um, you know, there's there's a bunch of options moving forward that really gets after us understanding talent, you know, us understanding um, maybe options for people's careers, 
or even filtering through and thinking through who has talents that would be ideal for, you know, certain situations. Um, just a lot of, a lot, a lot of things swirling around in my, my mind, you know, with what you just kind of said. No, you're, uh, you're absolutely right, sir. Um, and I, I think, I think where it becomes more powerful uh, or very, very powerful is when you talk, start talking about succession planning or career pathing, you know, an officer may come into the army or, or an enlisted member may come into the army and they're like, Hey, look, I really want to be infantry. But as they continue to gain fidelity on their knowledge, skills, and behaviors, they may find they're more aligned to a functional area or they're more aligned to a different branch that they can do a, a you know, a voluntary transfer to. So as, as we identify what this positional level data is and we, we get it tied uh, to the career pathing and the succession planning, it's really gonna open up, I think, a lot of doors for people to kind of really let them see where their niche is in the army overall. Yeah. Well, you know, and some of this is just, I, I just go back to, we got Ollie on the, on the line, you know, I mean, I, I ran across Ollie at the AG schoolhouse. Um, you, you thought you were going to get away from this story, Ollie, I'm sorry. Um, and hey, Greg, I was given a brief on Ipse, and of course this is like 2016, and, and Ollie is just pounding me with like technical questions. What about this? What about this? I mean, it was like seven in a row um just all this technical stuff and i'm like well who are you um and then you know i, I find out that he wrote a paper on ipse and what the army really should do and and then we started you know i got i went and got his file to be honest i, I asked the ag branch hey can i look at this guy's you know orb you know who, who is he um and what's funny is that a lot of his skill Right. It's just it's just not decipherable from looking at his ORB. Um, and, I, you know, again, I, it, it's serendipity. He just decided to ask me all kinds of crazy questions. And I'm like, OK, let's pull him on the team. Um, so that's that's kind of what we did. Um, but, you know, I was faced with a pretty big technical challenge. Hey, how do I put the right technical talent when it comes to data, databases and systems and coding? against this this big integrator that we have doing our project to make sure that we're you know we we're we're delivering what we need to and you know we 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 ended up putting out facebook ads and going on s1 net sending people emails that i mean we really ended up finding the right talent by just doing kind of a the sidebar marketplace um in 16 and 17 and, you know, it was successful, but it was, you know, the Army couldn't tell me. The Army could not tell me about the data folks that are on our team, minus a few that had computer science degrees. So, you know, there's there's real life practicality to what we're trying to do with understanding KSBs and, you know, where we're going with the Army structurally. Um, yeah. You know, Ollie, what, what, what made you ask all those questions that day? Well, well, sir. Uh, as many uh, disgruntled captains who, you know, it's it's faddish. It's faddish to think that you know going to school is, uh, you know, not cool. So, uh, you know, I was no exception at at that point. Um, and I was really about like trying to step on the toes of stuff. And so, in the schoolhouse, the only thing that was going around was how you know Ipse was going to be Dimers 2.0 and everything else like that. And I actually, we had to write our, our like long paper for the term 
about you know an HR topic, and I chose Ipsay. And when I started researching what made Ipsay different, um, it made me realize that it was something that we needed to do. That it was going to be something painful to do for the army, but it was something we had to do. That it, it, it's easy to sit on the the systems that were in place, but you know integrating. Our, our personnel and pay and making sure that we can do a strength accounting distribution, all that stuff in one system, there, there's a lot of possibilities that come from there. So um, I wrote that paper. And then when you showed up, you know, I, it, it was more about asking kind of the, the questions like, what are we going to do now that we have a, a consolidated system? You, you think about, you know, the, one of the benefits we have over our adversaries is that all of our HR systems are spread out. So if one's down, you can potentially do work in other areas. Now that we've consolidated, you know, does that make a bigger target on our backs? And, and I know is that, you kind is of, that a doctrinal approach? You know, if you have two hundred personnel and pay systems, <laughs> the you know you can't be you can't be you know whatever isolated. I, I mean, I, I haven't I haven't heard anybody say that, but <laughs> I was trying to think of maybe that might be something that was there. So I you know I said that very you know confident in my you know my my question to you about that, but uh. It really was just about thinking through it. And I could kind of see that, you know, the question I was asking wasn't the type of thing that most AG folks were were worried about. So, yeah, um, I really liked it. I, I like the idea of Ipsay. And, you know, after, you know, next assignment, it, it just became a big thing where it's like, you know, I, if I'm going to be part of the adjutant corps, I really want to make sure that uh, I'm. I'm contributing. So coming to Ipsay, it was kind of a no brainer if uh, I wanted to make an impact there. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one thing that, that, that's similar in both the, the task force and, and Ipsay, in my opinion, um, you know, shoot, I've been up here five years now, um, is that this work is, is really lasting. I mean, you know, you used the, the comment that you're building a foundation on these KSBs that can be used in a bunch of different areas. Um, you know, all this work is, is certainly going to last our tenure in these, in these, you know, organizations or programs. Um, and it really sets some of the basic work um, up to then be expanded, you know, as we, as we go uh, into the future. Um, one, one cool thing about Ipsay is that, you know, Hey, we're funded for release three and release four, but we're also funded all the way out to, to 2030. I mean, there's, all these things and upgrades that that we have planned to continue to do one of those items is to continuously upgrade in the talent management space so right release three you know delivers a bare bones uh, marketplace that that can be used by all components and all ranks um, it has the ksb structure that greg has talked about um, and that will shape a soldier's profile um, soldiers can self-profess a good amount of things, and then they can do their basic HR actions that you start to track, um, you know, and then their pay will come along in, in release four. And then there's, you know, secession planning, career mapping, um, additional data to come in from assessments. Um, we'll start to build out multiple views of the soldier talent profile. And then you get into even further um, linking um, skills, positions, and incentives. So Ipsay will be the payroll driver. Um, so if you're in a certain position like a brevet, um, you know, you're going to get paid in Ipsay in the future. So 
um, how the army develops, how it wants to incentivize some of these skills in the coming years, you're going to execute it in, in a system called IPSA. So um, just really exciting. And, you know, we're at the, the, I don't know, maybe the third floor. There you go. Release three is at the third floor, Ollie, you know, of a skyscraper. Uh, you see what I did there? I see what you did there, sir. Greg, Greg, Greg doesn't laugh at my bad jokes. I'm still trying to understand what you're saying, sir. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Greg, what, what, uh, what's the craziest question you've been asked doing the KSB working groups and and um, you know forums that you've been running over the last couple of years? Oh, craziest question I've been asked. Um, I've been asked a lot of crazy questions. I, I think. I think one of the biggest questions I've been asked is, is why should officers care or, you know, why, why should units care about using KSBs? Um, and, and I, and I think that it, it's really a hard question to answer right now, because when, when you, when you're in the infant stages of, of bringing something new into an organization, you don't necessarily see the payoff uh, right off the bat. However, when we talk in the future, about building teams rapidly. Let's say there's a natural disaster in China or Russia, and we have to bring in people with, you know, cultural experience in that region, um, you know, medical doctors with a specific type of experience to deal with certain types of things. If we don't have uh, a database of KSBs on our people, we're not going to be able to rapidly build those teams. And, you know, I think another way that they're important is when you're looking long term, and, and you know, uh, General McConville's asked us to look at this 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 idea of credentialing people um, and maintaining the talent we, we want to maintain in the army um, based off people's skills and their value. And if we start eventually linking pay to credentials, you know, KSBs are a big part of that. You know, your experiences are a big part of that. So, you know, if that's the where we're going in the future, if that's the chief's vision then utilizing KSBs, you know, getting used to using them in the systems now are just going to pay dividends for you in the future. Now, what we're seeing uh, in terms of our junior officers, they're they're adopting it pretty well. They're going in there, they're inputting the stuff into the system, and they're pretty they're pretty happy with it. Where we're having, uh, you know, some big issues is getting our getting our senior officers, you know, our senior majors, lieutenant colonels, kind of to buy into the system. Um, and, you know, we may not get there with them, but, you know, I kind of like to talk about it like creating an insurgency, right? You start with, you start at the bottom and you kind of, you kind of build your, uh, your force up from there. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're taking over, you're taking over KSBs and IPSA uh, with all these people that are, you know, just in the army for the last three or four years. So, you know, what I like to do is say is I'm building my insurgency now with these junior officers, getting their resumes built talking to them about the soldier talent profile and let them know, understand why KSBs are important. And eventually in the next three to four years, as they get into that, that major Lieutenant Colonel level, you know, they're going to be the ones really doing this hard push and, and training the people below them. Yeah. Well, and you know, at some point we'll, we'll use that, that stuff to differentiate talent, you know, so you're not just looking at, you know, again, I go back to, back to Ollie, if I was to print his ORB, a couple of years ago and then put 17 other ORBs all around them um, of AG captains, it, it would have been very difficult to, to determine who has the technical acumen to actually come up and work on something like it said. Um, in fact, I, I, you know, I would look at your school and your, your degree and, you know, where you've been 
and, and then make some some assumptions, um, which wouldn't have got me, you know, to to understand Ollie. I mean, all you know, again, I made fun. I, made fun of Ollie being cool in college, but he really was a, a track star and uh, a division one track athlete um, at VCU. I mean, you can't really tell that from his, from his record. And I then was, he, yeah. Yeah. Well, just take it. You were the man. Um, <laughs> you, you were the man. I think my daughter runs a faster 800 though than you. I, my um, comment was going to be, I was, I was a sprinter, but you know that that that's a different story, sir. It was just, it, you know, I really upfront. You know, you asked Colonel Lockhart about like the craziest question, and he said, you know, people asking about KSBs, and it really does grind my gears. Maybe just because I'm a junior officer, when you listen to peers and they ask them why they're getting out, a majority of them are saying that the Army didn't see or utilize my potential. So, you know, when we talk about these initiatives for retention and everybody, you know, staying in you know, you want to serve with with peers that are, are good for the army because, you know, I, I get it. It's competition, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, you actually want to see people who are going to make the army better stay a part of the army. And um, to, to the points that you and and uh, Colonel Lockhart have put together, sir, like I, it is frustrating if, if we don't get after it. So I, I hope yeah. that people see that, that, you know, my story, it's it's not too different from a lot of people who get out that, right. you know, that talent that we don't see anymore yeah. is just, it's gone. So, I mean, that, that's my little passionate piece there, sir, but it, it, yeah, it is no, something I that think, drives me. I, I, I think it's a good point, though, Ollie. Like, um, like a lot of the captains that came on the team um, to, to go after the data problem set, like specifically HRC and a couple other places, um, we, we've been really... You know, all of them came, and Greg, this is this is interesting, right? All of them came to the team saying, "Hey, I'm going to get out of the army." So, um, over the next 12 to 18 months, I'd be really excited to go after this big problem set you guys have, and then I'm 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 going to pop out of the army and go do something else. Um, now, what what's been really interesting to watch is most of those guys who said that have extended. You know, may, maybe not forever. Um, but they got in the middle of this big data problem set that we're trying to solve for for the army, and they've been involved with you know briefing senior leaders and really trying to work through some of the the areas that that are the that are really the hardest um, to work through, and, and most of them extended. So I'd like to think that hey, we took their skill set, put them at where they're just really good, um, and then they're making an impact. And then, you know, they've decided to stick around for a little while. Um, and, you know, I can't do much, right? I can't pay them more. Um, they probably get yelled at more because change is hard. Um, you, you know, none of this stuff's easy that we're doing. And, you know, we talked about the Army being deep, deep, um, you know, having a culture that's, that's rooted in hundreds of years. Um, in a lot of cases, things are just hard to change. Yeah, sir. I just just to pull on that. What you know, when you're when you're looking at you know utilization of KSBs and, and getting this type of data, there is a cultural shift that has to happen in the army. And and you know, your team are not just the examples you know that that, that exist out there. You know, Ollie's not you know Ollie and and his peers at Ipsa aren't the only ones that got pulled into a job because they had a special skill. We had a we had a field artillery lieutenant at Fort Hood, Texas. 
that had a degree and was, you know, pretty much a self-proclaimed expert in cloud computing. Uh, and then the Enterprise Cloud Management Office reached out to us and said, hey, look, you know, there's this field artillery lieutenant down at Fort Hood. He's got all the credentials we need um, to come up here and work on this, uh, you know, up at ECMO, but we can't get him up here because we don't have any, you know, billets, you know, assigned to us that are at the lieutenant level. And then, you know, we had to, you know, get with HRC and, and do some creative thinking on how to get that officer there. But, you know, I, I think the Army has to do a major cultural shift. We have to be comfortable taking people out of these, you know, designated career tracks and, and put them where their skills align, you know. And, and it doesn't mean they can't go back to being a field artillery officer or an armor officer. Yeah. But if they can, if they can give the Army a solid benefit for three to four years doing something that's kind of outside of their, you know, their commissioned wheelhouse or their enlisted wheelhouse, we need we need to be comfortable doing that. Um, if we don't, we're just going to continue to lose talent uh, across the force. Yeah, and and that, I mean I I think that's why it's so exciting watching you know the the task force kind of operate um, all kinds of ideas being generated and and prototypes and just things moving um it's just really exciting to see i mean you know i've been in 20 something years and there there wasn't a lot of change in the personnel field um in most of my career so to see this kind of happen now um you know with the vision that that uh general conville and then you know ultimately the people strategy that that was put forward this last year or so kind of gives a pretty pretty good beacon you know to head towards um yeah, good stuff. So, um, Ollie, let's let's talk a little bit about the marketplace because um, I think we're we're probably nearing the end of our our talk tonight. Um, let's talk. What what is that marketplace? You know, Greg said ATAP earlier. I think I think a lot of listeners will know what that is, but um, what what is it? Roger, sir. So uh, the Army Talent Alignment process. Um, it was the for one one of uh, the, the chief's uh, initiatives to make sure that um, folks were were competing for positions and that units were actually um, also trying to compete to get the soldiers uh, over to their uh, their organizations. And uh, I think that the big thing that makes it very unique is we adopted the uh, algorithm, which uh, Colonel Lockhart, it, it's from the, like, as far as like folks who were in the medical field, like the uh, for residency, like the resident matching algorithm, is what we uh, base it off of. Right. So it's uh, it's based off the uh, the medical school uh, medical matching algorithm that matches medical students to their residency. Um, and we like to we always like to highlight that it, that it was this Nobel Prize winning algorithm. And and while that is, while that is important and while that's cool, um, it, it's it's really What's really neat about the algorithm is that if an officer puts in their true preference and lays it out exactly like that, um, then they're probably most likely going to get matched to a job that aligns with that preference. You know, what, what we're trying to discourage people from doing is going in there and, and trying to war game the system and, and, you know, prefacing jobs, you know, based on, you know, achieving a one-to-one -one preference or a one-to-one -one match, as, as people like to call it. Um, because what we're finding is, is, you know, officers are concerned that the algorithm isn't going to work the way it's supposed to, and they're, they're more comfortable, you know, 
having more predictability um, within their within the assignment process and maybe taking an assignment that is less desirable than their most desirable assignment and, and kind of putting that first to kind of know where they're going. But if, if they trust it in the algorithm the way it's supposed to work, um, they might actually end up getting uh, you know a better assignment or the one they want. That's, that's some deep. That's some deep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh... what, what did that say about our behaviors, Greg? Yeah, no, I mean it, it does, right? So um, when, when you look at ATAP, you know what we call we really a, what ATAP really is. It's a decentralized, regulated, market-style hiring system that aligns officers with their jobs based on their preferences. Yeah. Now, your preferences are are shaped by you know your knowledge, skills, and behaviors, but they're also shaped by you know you know your, your life experiences and and kind of where you want to go. Um, for some people, your preference may be based on your spousal employment. It may be based on a community that you want to be a part of. Um, it may be um, maybe your family support structure uh, resides in a state that has a military base, and, and that's why you're preferencing there. Um, so your preference really plays a large role in, in this matching process. So if, if your dream job is in Georgia or Fort Hood, Texas. Ipse, D.C. It's a DC, which what you don't want to do is, is you don't want to put Fort Carson, Colorado first because you know that that unit wants you and, and you know, you, you kind of want to go there, but it's not your dream assignment. You really need to, you know, focus your preference on where you want to go. You know, the cool thing about the market is while it is decentralized, it is regulated, right? And what I mean by regulation is there are always issues that force us to have to go into the market and kind of and make some adjudications. You know, one, one thing would be exceptional family member program, right? If if you got matched to an assignment where your EFMP wasn't supported, uh, then we would obviously have to find you an assignment where, where it was supported. Um, other things are like married armies couple program, because we don't want to split up our, our married army couples, because that would really damage our retention overall. If we started keeping people separate separated from their spouses. Um, so we have the ability to go in and somewhat manipulate the market um, but th that's all kind of post-market turbulence type uh, items that happen. Um, and, and we're really seeing a very minimal amount of that regulation having to happen. So what I would just tell people is, is if you want to go somewhere uh, and it's your number one assignment, put it number one. Things happen all the time where you may be the unit's number two choice, but if the first person can't go there for one of those reasons I just highlighted, you automatically move up to the top of the list. Yeah. Well, and, you know, for... For, for me, watching this go go through a couple of times, I mean, we we really are um, at the initial stages of 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 really seeing this, understanding, but then also folks um, starting to to profess those knowledge, skills, and behaviors, and then introduction of some assessment stuff too. So we're right at the beginning of where this journey is going to take us. Um, so I I actually really appreciate you, Greg, kind of laying all that out and highlighting what you've seen and you know, just kind of talking through that, because um, I think the more that we put it out there for folks, you know, transparently, I think they get a little more used to it and then, you know, continue to use it. Yeah, absolutely, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, Ollie, what, what say you, man? I know we're trying to keep up with um, the lessons learned from the first couple of ATAP cycles in AIM-2. And, you know, how does that transition over to IPS? Um okay. Roger, sir. So for for that, we are we are the biggest thing is making sure that we have a marketplace that works, 
it has all the functionality that AIM2 does. So um, we we got over, we made sure that we were all over that for our preliminary design review and critical design reviews where um, we made sure that the design was up to snuff. We had HRC over uh, OPMD and EPMD, um, the directorates to make sure that we were aligned with it. Uh, worked a lot with Colonel Lockhart and uh, Colonel Rob Gable uh, to make sure that that was um, good to go. But basically, um, at this point, uh, the the marketplace is, is set up, and I think having everything in one system should make it easier for folks to be able to self-profess. Um, we worked a lot to make sure that the, the attribute framework that uh, Colonel Lockhart has described earlier in the program is uh, – integrated with what we're doing in the marketplace. So, so bottom line up front, folks who are in there putting uh, descriptions of, of units, uh, unit positions, they won't have to uh, redo it market over market. Folks that are in there self-professing, uh, it should be a little bit easier to do. And then we're gonna introduce a capability called search match, which plays on what we were talking about. If you have an attribute or a KSB that's tied to a position, and a uh, KSB that's tied to a person, you can start to do percentage match. So we are in the infancy, like you said, sir, um, but as we go forward and we provide more tools in IPSA that uh, kind of motivate folks to uh, profess their KSBs, it should it should be easier for both soldiers and for units um, to analyze each other and see what, what they want uh, at, at the end of this. But um, I, I'm just very, it's crazy what's happened in the last like few years. And I really think that this is a step in the right direction because it's making units more aware, it's making soldiers more aware. And I think the army wins in the end. Uh, I think that's a good way to end it. I think the army does this kind of win in the end. Um, and, and the big boss likes to say, hey, winning matters. So we got to keep pushing and, and, and I think maybe a little bit uphill as we as we attack kind of that army culture and how we've done things, but um, I think we're going to start to see some good um, you know outcomes out of all all of this. Um, I, I know we've already seen a lot of good outcomes with release two and if say obviously release three is coming in December, um, and then we're going to continue to enhance talent management aspects of release three as we get into twenty two and twenty three. So just really excited. Um, you know, hey, uh, I thank you, gentlemen, for for joining us tonight. Ollie, you you may or may not have had a choice to to join us. Um, you know, when I poked fun at you a little bit, my 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 daughter runs a two twenty something eight hundred, so that's pretty dang fast. Um, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure it, it beats you. I know it beats me and Greg. You're not even on the same lap as her. Um, yeah, she's lapped so, me already twice, and it's only an eight hundred. I'm trying to get her KSBs into the army, to be honest. Um, I think she'd be a fine army officer. Um, but uh, thanks, Ollie, for, for joining us. And then, Greg, I'll, I'll give the floor to you if you got any parting, parting shots for, for the audience. Yeah, sir, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, thanks for inviting me tonight. It's always, uh, it's always great uh, working with the IPSA team. Um, I will tell you that uh, I am humbled by the amount of work uh, that you and your team are putting into this talent management enterprise that we're trying to build. You know, while while KSBs are foundational to what we're doing, um, if we didn't have a place to put them, um, then it wouldn't really matter um, because we wouldn't be able to, you know, mine the data and identify the people 
and, and match them to assignments where they need to go. So uh, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, I look forward to maybe doing a future podcast over. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Greg. Um, and, and thanks. Ollie, any, any partner shots? Uh, just great to be here. And, and I think, uh, you know, when we first came in, sir, and, and I came on the project, I think the ta task force was was pretty anemic. There wasn't a lot of folks there. And um, to see the relationship between uh, the IPSA team and the task force grow and for so much to be operationalized at this point, um, just just glad to see it happen, sir. Absolutely. And the, the ball's rolling faster and faster as, as we go to the right, um, which is all good news, I think, for the Army. Um, Hey, hey, folks, thanks thanks for listening this evening. Um, we, we are on all social media outlets. Uh, if you if you really want to see a, a functionality demo of IPSA, um, hey, go on to YouTube and type in IPPS-A. It's as easy as that. You'll see all kinds of interesting things. There's even a demo of the marketplace and what it'll look like inside of Release 3 and IPSA. Um, and then I would be remiss if I didn't pump up the use uh, of our mobile app. So if you're an Army soldier and you're interested in IPSA, you can download the IPSA app off of the Apple or Google store. Um, thanks and uh, look forward to talking to you in a future podcast.